Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fifth season, we are looking at Joe Johnston's 2011 film, Captain America, The First Avenger. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright. We're about to have a conversation you won't enjoy. <laughs> Today, we're talking about <laughs> Minute 54, which begins with Steve complaining about his tights and ends with Steve showing Phillips he can spell. Uh, back on the show, we have Travis Bowe and Robin Burge. Hello. Hello there. I don't care. <laughs> Man, that's a different movie. Sorry. <laughs> Not the first time that's come up, though. It's uh, oh, okay. fantastic. Good. That's all, good, good. all Tommy Lee references are welcome. <laughs> that's right. We'll, take, we'll equal, take all of Equal them. Tommy Lee opportunity. Here, here. Uh, all right. So before we get to Tommy Lee, though, let's uh, finish up this conversation we're having with uh, Steve and Peggy. Uh, Steve is feeling uh, disappointed in himself. He got everything he wanted, and he's wearing tights. And uh, and then some some uh, like a medical vehicle rolls up, and we see some uh, some medical officers carrying a wounded soldier into their tent. And uh, Steve and Peggy shift direction in the conversation. How does all of this work uh, for you two, as far as like the the way that the rest of this scene plays out here? I feel like she brings up the one hundred seventh, but then. A few seconds later, then he reacts to it and she's like, what? You know, so I don't think she knows that the 107th is something to Steve. And so I don't feel like it's an odd thing to bring up to elicit a reaction that she doesn't know he has a connection to. So. It, well, and it raised a question for me, and I was wondering: do, do like would a would a person in the USO tour would they know which troops they're going to? Like, would they? Know, this is the one hundred seventh. This is this. This is that. Like, would they be given that information? Or as far as they're concerned, is it just like you're just going to go see a bunch of soldiers? Like, I, I don't, I don't know if any of us would know the answer, but yeah, right. but it did make me wonder. It's like, is this? I mean, obviously, this is the first time that Steve realizes that he is here in front of the troops uh, where Bucky had been serving. Yeah, I don't think a USO soldier would know, but I think she did, and I don't think she knew. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with you guys. I don't think she knew that there was a connection between Steve and them. But I have to ask performatively: Do you get this? Do you do? You, Calling back to yesterday, my pitch was that she was trying to insinuate, trying to move him in a direction. Does this moment pay that off? Do, do you buy that when she says she launches into the backstory that she's trying to pluck a particular string to get Steve to do something? I really think so. I mean, just reading out the stats alone, be like 200 went, 50 returned. And oh, by the way, the people that you were just, you know, clowning yeah. around in front of them, they're the survivors. They just left all their dead buddies on the field. So it definitely <laughs> feels purposeful, but it also feels she's she's being too uh, uh, too blunt about it. You think she's she's too transparent in her efforts? Kind of, yeah, because it seems so out of not. I don't know if it's out of character, but just going back to, is she she has this plan for for Steve that I feel like it's a leap, a little bit of a leap to say that oh she the entire time you know, she's had this idea of like him becoming something more. Yeah, I 
I struggle with that idea because, well, and, and it's just because of how the film is put together. I, I don't think that Joe Johnston had that intention. I don't think Haley Atwell is performing it that way. So I'm not buying into the fact that that there was this idea that she had, like, I'm going to I'm going to tell Steve exactly what's going on out there and how Hydra has been killing all these people just to get him to take action. Like, I, I, I feel like if. I, I think Joe Johnston is a competent director, and I think if he had that intention, we would see that in like looks that she was, you know, she had on her face that when he wasn't looking or something like that. Like it would have felt more intentional. And so I, I guess I don't. I feel like all of this just is is just kind of happening. Yeah. And and because of that, I feel like it ends up feeling like very very scripted. You know, it just ends up feeling like it has to happen so we can get Steve out there. Well, yeah, I mean, let's not let let's not let go of the other point yesterday, which is she's a narrative device. (laughs) (laughs) I think she's disappointed in Steve. I think she I think she's like, wow, great job. You went along with that. And uh, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, they've been through hell. Let me tell you exactly what hell was, (laughs) you know, uh, just to kind of rub it in. I mean, maybe she was hoping he'd react, uh, but not like I'm going to turn him into a superhero now. Right. Yeah. Well, he's fi- she's finally got him like right where she needs him. I finally got everything I wanted and I'm wearing tights. Like yeah. that's a that's a, a great moment of weakness toward action. Like if if not now, Steve, when are you going to do something? And I think she took her shot. I, I think for me, it, it's all on that on her delivering the, the line about the 107th and, and not knowing that he has a connection to that. I looked at the. The MCU wiki shows that Steve's father was in the 107th. So not only does he have the Bucky connection, his father was also part of that same, you know, division, you know, in World War One. So maybe it's like if she was aware of that, because she's got her, his file, you know, so maybe if there was something here that told me that's why she brought up that specific regiment you know, maybe then it'd be like, okay, she is trying to manipulate in a good way, you know, for the greater good. Well, to that end, do you feel like there had been manipulation to bring Steve specifically to the 107th? Mm. Like, why? Th- this minute is so full of of th- things that just feel so uh, contrived plot-wise. The fact that Phillips is here. The fact that yeah. uh, that she shows up, the fact that it's the 107th, like all of this feels like, really? There's right. so many <laughs> coincidences happening right now. Like, I, 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 and I know in the world of a movie that often happens. So it's not really a huge surprise. Um, but it, it, you know, it does make me like as we're kind of having this conversation, it does make me say, well, huh, why did Steve, why did the USO tour end up right here in front of this particular group of people? And why is Steve performing? I mean, doesn't it seem like such like like you think that Senator Brain is completely unconscious of <laughs> of the implications of of setting up the show, but also like maybe he's just like you know him and some other uh, heads of whatever were thinking. Well, you know what, you know these wounded soldiers that lost everybody, they just need a show. They need to pep <laughs> themselves up to get back out in that battlefield yeah. again. Yeah. So I mean, it's great coincidence. Oh, he's definitely being used as a cheerleader for hey get back into the fight because yeah. captain america's here you know yeah but in in my in my like head canon a little bit when i watch this i want colonel phillips 
to want to try, to also be trying to motivate Steve into doing something. But then when we get to n- next minute, it's like, oh, yeah, he doesn't want him here. <laughs> so. Well, there's, you know, it, it is interesting also that, like, Steve would know nothing about what had happened. Or even if he didn't know it was the 107th, the fact that, and again, according to the wiki, according to the deleted scene, none of which uh, really is officially canon, but, I mean, that was a month ago, or, I mean, it was October, so and this is just November 3rd. So I guess it could have been it could have been days ago, it could have been a week ago, it could have been a month ago uh, that this would have happened. And so I feel like when this was happening, like when the USO, uh, you know, when Brant's aid and the people were saying, hey, these guys just went up. Like, I feel like all of this information would have already been told to Steve. Like, it just seems so strange that these, like, the USO people would have no clue. They're just like, here's a bunch of soldiers sitting here. We're not going to give you any context for what they've been doing right. <laughs> before right. you yeah. before you go perform i think that works just to to make him feel out of place you know just to get that reaction of the the crickets you know when he you know does his normal kind of shtick and and gets gets nothing in response i i think the the other piece i, I wanted to out in the last minute, but I, I just as good here. Performatively, there's a lot going on for Chris Evans in this minute, and uh, that he is able to communicate, first of all, such roguish handsomeness, and then <laughs> also that the whole bit of um, you know that he is uh, that he's dealing with the the shame of being here, the shame that he knows he's not living up to his potential, the shame that he knows all he's doing is just a glorified pitch man, and they put him in the trench coat that oversized trench coat is such fantastic costuming for this minute to hide the thing that represents his greatest shame, the ridiculous tights. Like we're now at that transition point where we're going to move from ridiculous tights to something else. And this is the moment where that shame propels us in that direction. And I think it works so, so well. Chris Evans is uh, he's really, really deceptively good and nuanced at communicating all those things in this movie. And just because he's so like, like he's just so rugged and handsome, like it's easy to overlook the fact that he is skilled. And and get the, the way, you know, t- tying back to our previous conversation about why is Peggy here? I mean, who else is Steve, gonna, you know, going to be able to confess all his, you know, stuff to? He doesn't have Bucky here. So it just it's that shame that he feels. uh you know, you can get some of that from the drawing, but she's a weirdly like receptive, not receptive vessel for that shame. Like he's he's turning to her like uh, for for not like relationship guidance, but like I need you know, I need you to hear me. I need more like maternal support, more or less. Right. And she's not giving it to him. She's like, no, you're right. Mm. You suck at this. <laughs> like, let's do something better. Well, I like that there's still a part of him because he gives her a look and she's like, I think she just says what, and he said that you know he wanted to come overseas. He wanted to to be over here, and I like that. There's this grass is always greener kind of aspect to the way he's playing Steve here, which is odd because you're still talking about going over and fighting in war, and this is really his first up close encounter with seeing what that does to a person, or you know what the these these other guys are going through even though he hasn't really seen any real fighting but yeah i just i i, I guess all i was leading to there is just say I, I agree but he is he plays this role so well yeah he's he's good at being 
of this little circus monkey. It works well. And, and I mean, he emotes well, to your yeah. point. He's got that kind of that stoic, um, sullen face down, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we get so many big moments of Chris Evans and we get so many hero moments of Chris Evans that sometimes when we get the quiet, shameful moments, it's good to really lean in. <laughs> yes. All I can think of right now, and I, I don't know where, why my brain went here, but I, I, I feel like we need a shirt, Pete, that has that circus monkey on it, and mm-hmm. it says, nice work, Timmy. Under- <laughs> <laughs> that's essentially, it's the perfect that's combination the of everything yeah. that, that Steve that's has not been wanting to do. Yep. Yeah. I, you know, here's, here's one more thing that I, I struggle with with this scene is, uh, the well, this scene and the one that, that played just before it. The fact that this is the 107th and these men, like, I don't know, I, I've, you know, again, my experience always goes to other movies I've seen, but like troops that have gone through this sort of thing where they've lost three quarters of the group and all that sort of stuff. Like, I don't feel like they're going to be heckling. I feel like it's going to be a much more, uh, they're not going to be quite as, as, as goofy and laughing and mooning and stuff like that. And so the fact that the reveal happens that this was actually the 107th, the rest were killed or captured. I'm like, well, they're kind of goofing around a little too much for, the, for that for the 107 uh, I, I don't know i i don't want to well actually you uh but like he said the the audience contained what was left of the 100 so there there are a bunch of jokers probably still in the audience it also so. contains some idiots yeah. Yeah. 107 and the idiot masses they're together yeah the 108th nobody nobody <laughs> talks about the 108th <laughs> yeah because she says that 50 50 come back and when you know, going back to that minute, there are way more than 50 people there. So, right. yeah, there's... That's true. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. All right. So Gilmore's not in the 107th. He probably wouldn't be since that was Bucky's crew and they left, they shipped out, you know, months, weeks before? A week. Okay. A week before because they, um, yeah, Steve's only in the training for a week. Oh, and wow. Then, and then Gilmore goes off. You know, the Marvel Wiki is the worst what? place to get the <laughs> right. references. Once again, montage was 16 hours. That's, That's right. my constant refrain. Uh, I have I have a fun fact here, uh, if I could interject. Uh, Do the, it. The 107th Infantry was actually a real division out of New York. Did you already learn this? Am I repeating facts? <laughs> uh, we did. Uh, oh, we, okay. did, we did know that, but yes. Uh, they weren't they, in Italy. But I they, like it when you say it. Yeah. That's right. They didn't fight it. We're going to go back to that episode and erase it. Yeah. Just please so put my voice in there. <laughs> but it, it reminded me of the, uh, from my own podcast, it refers a lot to the fighting 442nd, which was stationed in Italy in real life. All the Japanese Americans whose families were in internment camps. Uh, our, my character, Mr. Miyagi, was a veteran of that. And then I learned that one of the, Howling Commando is his name, Jim Morita. And I was like, oh, my God, they named that after Pat. No, it, he was a <laughs> comics character. But uh, <laughs> what a great connection that would have been. <laughs> but like, no kidding. Have you guys run into like alterations in historic history and in, re- in your research? That's like maybe, again, just like the USO, like due to showing respect for the dead or maybe even just, you know, covering their own butts legally, like different wars. There are a lot of things that they're doing that's a lot more generalized, like a lot of the newspaper headlines. It's, you know, it's things that have happened like over, you know, a period of years or months. So it's very it's they're very safe headlines like that sort of thing. Things like the 107th, it was a real thing. But 
I, it's not like they're doing anything that specifically feels like it's referencing any particular battles that they would have done that that feel like it would have been like bad taste or anything. So I haven't seen anything yet, at least, that has come up that has done that. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. All right. So Steve finds out it's the 107th. That is the that is the impetus that he needed to uh, to make a decision. And now he's running off because he's going to go see Colonel Phillips <laughs> over in Colonel Phillips' tent because, of course, he's here. Why not? Hey, those boots come in handy, though, all those puddles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love the pirate boots. What's funny is I look at those and I'm like, are those actually like waterproof boots? Like theater, theater clothing is never really the right thing to wear right. in any inclement weather. Let's just say. Just as a quick, uh, just a quick aside. I don't know. I, I if you wanted to talk about this, I what I like a lot in that sequence as he's running through the mud, the sign on the. Uh, on the the stage says USO shows in partnership with the Hollywood Overseas Committee present, and then it's Captain. It says Captain America, but clearly Captain America is a, like a replacement sign, <laughs> and that they just put in whatever star is there. Could be Bob Hope, could be whatever. But for some reason, for me, just having Captain America as the replaceable part of the sign is just leaning in on the joke, and I love it so much. <laughs> so much great I, like that should be a shirt too uh i if it wouldn't get pulled uh <laughs> it's just great great the great, only great. thing that would have made it better if it was just slightly askew askew <laughs> yes like it's just tilted enough <laughs> oh absolutely that's awesome and i'm glad that you caught that because earlier when we when he was first on the stage i was trying to read the sign and i forgot it appears again right here yeah um, and i could not read it it was too far away and i'm like i can see uso shows i can see captain america but i couldn't see anything in, in between so i'm glad that you pulled that yeah and he runs right across it nice job timmy <laughs> <laughs> and he goes into colonel phillips tent uh tommy lee jones back in action with us in the film uh, and of course, he instantly goes to the nickname for Steve Rogers. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with the plan, what's your plan what today? What's your plan today? <laughs> <laughs> what do you two think of Tommy Lee Jones in this role? Such a fantastic addition to the MCU. And it's funny because I, I think I, I have a mental block. Every time I start to watch this movie, it's like, oh, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones is in this movie because he seems <laughs> – That's true. In a way, he seems out of place even though he's perfect for this this character that he's playing. But it doesn't feel like a – it's not a comic book character that he's playing. You know, he's just playing this, you know, grizzled colonel. Um He's so perfect. But yeah, like I have a mental block with him and um, whether or not Dak get, gets killed by the uh, – uh, gets stepped on by the snow walker in Star Wars. Like those two things I always block on. Like, does he get stepped on? I don't remember. Is Tommy Lee Jones? No, he's not. That, that'd be a weird movie for him to be in. Oh, oh yeah, there he is. So. What's funny is I, I, I asked the question, uh, in all sincerity, knowing there is likely no answer. Do you think today Tommy Lee Jones remembers he was in this movie? <laughs> he pulls the full Paltrow. exactly i i wonder if there was a a, like he's like i realize you're making a lot of these movies i just want to do one yeah (laughs) can we make sure you don't bring my character back yeah (laughs) he's he's so appropriately used that way it's not a character that needs to come back you know he's not a nick fury that that would require you know cameos in, in several movies he's just perfectly used here 
Yeah. Number two, is Jim Carrey in this movie? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you answered correctly both my questions. I s- sanction. <laughs> there there is a really interesting Corey. line change, and I'm curious uh, all of your read on it. Because uh, Steve, you know, says, I need the casualty list from Azano uh, to Phillips. And then Phillips says, you don't get to give me orders, son. In the script, he says, you don't get to give me orders, Captain. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I kind of like that. You know, the the idea of bringing in his his military title, his fake rank, his fake rank into <laughs> into the line there. Uh, I don't know. How does that do either of you or any of you have a preference as to how that plays? Do you like the son or do you prefer do you think Captain would have been a nice touch? I at first thought it was it was Captain when thinking back on it. But he said and I looked back and this in in. And it said son, and immediately I was just like, okay, where's the org chart? And I realized I found out that Colonel is two steps above Captain. But uh, yeah, uh, son, I think is even more demeaning. Like he's about to go on a rant, <laughs> demeaning this into, into the next minute. But uh, uh, yeah, is Steve even a captain? Or was this is this a question answered by this movie? <laughs> in the uh, in the early timely comics. It was Private Steve Rogers, and he was like a goofball. And most of his like civilian, not civilian, but most of his Private Steve Rogers, you know, moments were him like getting into jams with the Sergeant Duffy. You know, he it was, it was almost like a comedy comic strip when it was just Steve and Bucky on, on in the base. But then he'd become this, you know, Captain America, very stoic and and no nonsense. But yeah, it was kind of weird, but. I don't know if he ever – I forget if he ever advanced, you know, past private. Here's the thing that doesn't work for that line for me, and and that is that when Tommy Lee Jones says, son, it implies a familiarity that he might actually appreciate what Steve Rogers is doing for the war effort, that he might actually understand a little bit about what Steve is going through, right? Like, I know you're frustrated, son, and I'm really unhappy with how we landed in this situation, and we're going to have a conversation you're not going to like later, and all of that. But there is, to me, that sort of leading indicator of I'm, I understand why this is hard, and I might even kind of like you. Right. That there's a little bit of that sort of mentor kind of relationship. And that is completely unearned in this movie. I don't believe Tommy Lee Jones has communicated any of that uh, through the course (laughs) of the movie. So I prefer Captain. And I don't know what they were going to because Captain is sarcastic. Captain is disrespectful. And he has no reason to show any respect to Steve right now. That's kind of where I land. Like I and it's one of those lines where I'm like. Son coming out of Tommy Lee Jones's mouth yeah. feels incredibly natural. So <laughs> it makes me wonder yeah. if he if he just always read it as son and like it was Johnson was fine, like you know what it's fine it's fine just yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to keep trying. Well, one of the you know running gags in, in Men in Black is him constantly using the different nicknames for for Will Smith's character, you know, Tiger, Sport, Champ, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, it feels like maybe that's something that Tommy Lee Jones just does. I don't know. That's fantastic. <laughs> the nickname man. Yeah. That feels natural. Yeah. Just 
throughout the movie, his little quippy lines, he gets some great lines. I mean, one of my favorite scenes in this movie is, is just Tommy Lee Jones having a conversation with Zola, you know, while he's eating a steak and a milk, you know, <laughs> I love yeah. that scene. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's fun to watch. Uh, I really enjoy him in the role. And it's and like this sort of moment, like you can see why they would cast Tommy Lee Jones. He's great as this uh, military uh, commander, this colonel who is, uh, you know, trying to put plans in place, real plans. You know, I'm sure he looks at, uh, you know, the man with a plan as somebody who is just, you know, a joke. Well, we'll find out more about that tomorrow for sure. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I like the way that this ends up playing. Um, he clearly, I, I want to, how do you all read the moment between him and and, and uh, Agent Carter? Because, you know, Steve is still pushing him. I just want this name, Sergeant James Barnes from the 107th. And then Phillips looks at Peggy and points at her. You and I are going to have a conversation later that you won't enjoy. Is that because he knows that she's here unofficially? And, uh, and knows why she's here. And it, like, it, I, I feel like there's SSR, uh, things afoot that, that he's unhappy with as far as, as far as all of this. I don't know. How's that play for all of you? Do you think he either knows or that just seeing her there triggers the fact that he's now aware things are afoot, that she's monkeying around in his business? I think he, he knows that, oh, she's been telling Steve, you know, things that maybe he shouldn't know or. Yeah. Yeah, just like, why are you sharing this information? That's what we're going to have a conversation about. Yeah, and this this goes back to my whole like theory of why Peggy's here is because she's working with Colonel Phillips, and so he knows that, you know, she blabbed <laughs> to Captain America. Yeah. Interesting. Well, there's an interesting thing here because they were all working as a part of the SSR. So are they working as the SSR now over here? Like he's just I mean, he's working in the field with the 107th. Is that is he here specifically because of what happened with Hydra uh, or or had he been here before all of that? Like it I don't know. It, it all strikes me as funny. But now that I say that, I'm like, well, that ma- that would make a lot of sense that he only just got here like in the last you know few days few weeks whatever since that attack when hydra revealed their weapons that right. that to me is like okay now i can understand why phillips hmm. might actually be here unless is this a military thing i don't understand like maybe he's the unit like commander of this that he was training them in the united states and then now he's done training them and they all pack up and go to the front line where where the fight is that's how i read it okay so he's he's like a part of the unit and he's He's traveling to lead the unit. So are you saying the unit is an SSR unit? Because my impressions, again, I, I feel like it wasn't constructed as well as it could have been. But my impressions of the training set, the, the training montage was that they were trying to find the person who would be their super soldier uh, person. And the rest of them likely just they weren't going to fit. So they were just going to just put them into the regular old military and that's interesting. That's not how I read. It. That's not how I, I think about it. So you think they're all SSR soldiers? Like, no, no, completely the other way around that. He had this army unit that he's in control of and he allowed SSR to operate yeah. in it so oh, that okay. they could pick out like cherry pick the from his people, the people that they wanted for SSR. Because He was going to get a team of super soldiers. Right. And when Erskine, and Erskine gets killed. That whole project goes out the window because they can't replicate that formula. So now it's just military. I don't, I don't think there's a much SSR, you know, stuff going on until 
Captain America starts becoming a, a thing. Which which also explains why he's so so upset with her being there, because he's kind of – I get the feeling that he's done with SSR. Like, mm. let's just get out of my base. I have a war to fight kind of a thing and so many letters to write. Yeah, and I don't I don't think he's surprised to see her. I think, Robin, like I think you said that – I think maybe she kind of works with him a little bit like a Mar- Maria Hill, uh, Nick Fury kind of relationship – yeah. Like, oh, I have nothing else to do with the SSR. I might as well. Yeah. And why is she monkeying around with Steve Rogers still kind of thing? Like, yeah. get back to work, lady. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm starting to think more and more that it all revolves around the fact that Hydra just attacked uh, in Azano is the, is the whole reason he's specifically here. Because if his team is – and if he's still working with Peggy and Howard, uh, it makes sense that – that they came here specifically to figure out, okay, what's going on with this Hydra factory and what do we need to be doing? Hmm. I don't know. It's going to be something that we're going to be probably talking about a lot over the next uh, few weeks as we kind of continue exploring what's going on with Hydra in this particular location. I wonder if the movie will answer this question. (laughs) (laughs) We will find out. Uh, All right. Well, we're mid-conversation. Steve is now spelling Bucky's last name to Colonel Phillips when the minute ends. And that's where we're going to stop. Uh, unless any of you have any last thoughts. I forgot to mention last minute that Lab Rats didn't seem to be in uh, the lexicon until like 1965, 1970 oh. range. Oh. So from a quick Google, Google search, that, yeah. that may not be accurate. But 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 did they call them Tinkerbell? Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, why don't you two remind everyone where they can find what you're working on these days? Yeah, you can check me out on Marvel Events Timeline. That's where we go back and look at a bunch of old comic books in release order, not issue by issue, but major events at a time, but not just the comics. We've we've done episodes about uh, Jack Kirby. if I could share a quick Jack Kirby story, that's that is my favorite story. Uh, he they they released Captain America comics number one with with that iconic image of him punching out Hitler, and the Timely Comics offices got a phone call, um, someone saying, you know, "Hey, we're in the lobby and we want to talk to the guy who did that disgusting." Captain America image, and we 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 want to show him what uh, three uh, real Nazis think of his work. And so Jack Kirby rolled up his sleeves. He started to head down to the lobby. They weren't there, and uh, you know he didn't. He but he was prepared to deal with some Nazi scum. So he was going to punch a Nazi. Did, did yeah. he say as he was going downstairs? I can do this all day. He I'm sure he did. <laughs> he probably said it's clobbering time. So. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Robin, what are you up to? Uh, just been hosting Karate Kid Minutes, probably uh, wrapped up by the time this comes out. But, uh, you know, if you want to uh, learn more about the Karate Kid universe, I have uh, explored the links of the Internet and tried to find the most inaccurate information as possible and then share <laughs> a couple of bits of fun trivia here and there as well. Uh, We'll check all their links out in our show notes, everybody. Uh, And thank you both, as always, for joining us here on on the show. Um, And Pete, thank you. You don't get to give me orders, son. (laughs) Until next time, true believers. 
Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Spread the News by Anthony Vega. And this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show.